Well, good morning again. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Uh, welcome again to those who are in person and those who are watching online. We're really glad that you're here. <clears throat> well, last week, Scott kicked off our new series on identity. This is the five weeks here before Easter. Uh, we're focusing on identity. And Scott highlighted how there's a lot of confusion today around identity, a lot of confusion around who we are uh, and our purpose. Um, and he said that God invites us to find our identity in Christ. That is the beautiful offer that, that God gives us in the gospel, that we can now find our identity, not in anything that we do or have done, but in Christ. And Scott also w- was hitting on the fact that when we do that, um, when we uh, find our identity in Christ, God no longer sees us as sinners, but as saints, that in his eyes we are saints because of what Jesus has done. That's the way the Father sees us. Now, the reason that we chose this first part of Ephesians, um, in part, is that because this letter of Ephesians is a letter that is about the identity of God's people, the church. Um, but here's the cool thing. When, so when you and I think about identity, we tend to think about who we are, what we do, the things that we like, the people that we're attracted to. We base our identity off what we find in ourselves. But when Paul writes to the church about who she is and what she should do, he begins with God and who God is and what God has done. And so what I want us to see today is this, that your identity is not and cannot be found by looking inward to yourself. It also cannot be found by looking outward to other created things or people. But it is only found by looking upward to Jesus Christ. That is where we find solid ground for our identity. So that's where we're going today. Um, So this first section of Ephesians chapter 1 that we're spending these, these five weeks in, verses 3 to 14, these verses begin this letter with praise, with adoration of who God is and all that he's done. It's actually one long sentence in Greek, just one sentence, over 200 words of Paul just having this run-on sentence, summing up, look at who God is, look at what he's done, look at the way that he has loved you and blessed you in Christ. It's, you can almost feel the excitement that he has, how he's in awe of God, and he is inviting us into that, wanting us to be in awe of God as well. And so we're going to start there. We're just going to focus on verses 3 and 4 today, but I want to read the whole section so that we get a feel of Paul's energy and excitement. Um, So again, we're in Ephesians 1. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you don't have one with you, we've got some under the seats in front of you. It's on page 1156 of those Bibles. And as you're turning there, um, I want to point out two things. As we read, uh, first, I would like for you to look at all that God is doing. We, in this passage, are the the recipients. God is the one acting, moving, working, doing things on our behalf. And then second, also, notice how the Trinity is working in tandem in this passage. It begins with the Father, it moves to the Son, it's completed by the Spirit. All three members of our one triune God are working together to bless us and to accomplish our redemption. So it's really sweet Um, And we're going to read it here together. 
I'd like to pray before I read and just ask the, the Lord to open our eyes. So let's pray. Well, Father, as we have just sung, you are so much bigger than we think or even can imagine. And I feel like the, the journey of following you is um, one of just coming into more and more of a realization of your greatness and your goodness and your glory. You're, you're bigger and you're better than we think that you are. So I pray that as we read these verses, Lord, would you call us higher? Would you lift our eyes out of our own circumstances and, and fix them on you? Lord Jesus, you have revealed to us the heart of the Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We pray that your glory would be on display as we read. And Holy Spirit, would you illuminate these, these words, this uh, printed stuff on a page, would you make it more, um, more than that? Would you um, illuminate it so that we might see the beauty of who you are? Lord, be lifted high here today. We love you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul writes, Blessed be, some translations say, all praise to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, that's Paul and other Jews, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, that's the Gentiles he's writing to, and, and us included, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, all to the praise of of his glory. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I'd like to propose to you today that we're in a bit of an identity crisis. I don't think that will be a surprise or a mystery to you when you look around at our culture and the confusion um, that all of us are experiencing. We are in an identity crisis. Um, and like Scott said last week, more, now more than ever, there's confusion about our identity. We don't know who we are, we don't know what our purpose is, and we're looking everywhere we can to find it. Many of us who are now adults grew up with all of our movies and, and books and songs and shows telling us, just listen to your heart, look inside, 
You've got what you need. You can find what you need right there. All you need to do is to look inside. Our culture has told us that to find our identity, all we need to do is look inside ourselves. Here's some quotes that I found about that while doing a quick Google. Um, This is uh, Lao Cha, the founder of Taoism, um, which is a Chinese religion. It says, at the center of your being, you have the answer. You know who you are, and you know what you want. Here's Aristotle. So this isn't new. This is, this is a problem throughout all of time. This is Aristotle. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. It's the opposite of what the Bible says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 1.7. And then finally, George Bernard Shaw. This is an Irish playwright. Um, he says, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. That's where we are. These are the things that our culture is believing. Um, I won't even get into the messages uh, that come from things like Disney, which are fun and sweet shows, and we enjoy those movies as a family, but there's messages of look inside yourself. You've got what you need. So many of them over and over are just pointing you back to yourself. Um, And so if we listen to our culture, I think... That, that we would end up thinking that it's obvious that the place that we should be looking for to figure out who we are is just deep inside our own hearts, deep inside ourselves. However, that is exactly the opposite of what the Bible has to say. When Paul wants to write a letter about the identity of the church, he begins with God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in essence, what Paul is saying is that who you are is found in who God is. Who you are can only be found in who God is. You don't create yourself. You have been created and you've been made with a purpose and with an identity that can only be found in Christ. That can only be found in Christ. And Christ brings us and unites us to the Father. That's who's in view in this passage today. God the Father. He is the source. When we say that he's Father, we're saying that he is the source of all life. He is the creator. He's the one who who sets his love on us, who has lavished his love on us. He is our source. If we want life, we have to look to him only. By knowing the Father through Jesus can we find out who we really are. And so Paul begins with God. And then he says this. He says that God, the source of all goodness, all life, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The first thing that it says that God does for us is bless us in Jesus with every spiritual blessing. So what does that mean? Well, the world certainly has an idea of what that means. If you look up uh, hashtag blessed on Instagram, um, you will find over 146 million posts with that hashtag. Um, And as you scroll, um, which we did as a staff this week, um, there will be a few uh, meaningful things and a few quotes from Scripture Um, But overall, you're going to find things that are much different from that. Um, And you'll see what our world thinks of when they consider uh, a blessed life. 
here's the, some of the things you'll find. Accomplishments, careers, relationships, scores of sports teams, food and drink, lots of working out, pets, fancy cars, new designer clothes, fancy shoes, and lots of people with minimal or inappropriate clothing. Um, <laughs> according to the world, that is what the blessed life looks like. Don't worry, Lisa Miles was sitting right beside me, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> now, if social media is what we are looking to to help us to understand our identity, um, then, then we would begin to believe that our value and a sign that we've been blessed by God consists primarily in what we do and what we possess and who we're attracted to and what we look like. That is what the world is telling us to base our identity on. And unfortunately, we Christians do this too. If things are going well and, and we've got what we need and things are fine, we're like, man, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. God is just, he's so good. And generally, unfortunately, we're often referring to just material blessing, as if his goodness is contingent upon how much stuff we have, as if the best that we could hope to have from God is some new clothes and a nice body and a puppy. <laughs> Praise God, there is more. There is so much more. So Paul reminds us what it means to be truly blessed. He says the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul is saying God is so good. And you know why? Not because we've got all kinds of material stuff. The people he was writing to probably didn't have a lot of material stuff. But we know that we are blessed and we know that God is good because he's blessed us in Jesus with spiritual blessing, all spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. That means that all of the good stuff that you have or experience isn't what it's about, but it's about the spiritual blessings that you receive by being in Christ. And what are those? Well, when Paul uses the adjective spiritual, uh, he's most often referring to the Holy Spirit. And so we know that when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives gifts. He gives us gifts to use for God's glory and for the good of others. And not only that, but when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us, he brings good fruit. He starts to produce things in us that we cannot produce on our own. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all the rest. Things that we long for our life to be full of. They come from him. He produces those. Those are spiritual blessings. And the word blessing um, means to speak a good word over someone or toward someone. And just looking at this passage, we see all kinds of good words spoken over us, all kinds of spiritual blessings. Just in the verses we read, we see that God chose us, that he called us holy and blameless, that he adopted us, that he redeemed us by his blood, that he's forgiven us of our sins, that he's lavished the riches of his grace upon us that he made known to us the mystery of the gospel, that he gave us hope, that he gave us a promise, that he gave us an inheritance, that he saved us and that he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Church, this is what it looks like to be blessed. This is what it looks like to be given God's favor. This is what will last far beyond this temporary life. This is the new identity that you are invited into and all of it is found in Christ Jesus. That is the blessed life. 
And I haven't even mentioned the, the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing that you or I have, have been given is Jesus himself. God himself has given us his presence to be with us always. The, the, the doctrine that we're talking about there, the, the theological term, so to speak, would be the doctrine of union with Christ. That's what's underlying all of these blessings and benefits that we're talking about. Underneath all that, because of God's mercy, because of the, the Father's love for you, he has decided and chosen you and appointed that you could be united with Christ, which means that his perfect life is credited to your account. His death on the cross was in your place. His resurrection was your resurrection. His ascension and glorification is your glorification. Everything that he is and everything that he has, he offers to us. He gives us his full self. And he says, here am I. Have me. I love you. I want you. Later on in Ephesians, the picture that, that God gives us of Christ is one of a, a bridegroom with his bride. That's Christ in the church. That's our new identity in Christ. We get him. There is nothing greater. Nothing greater. Well, as the staff this week was looking at Instagram um, and thinking about how sad it is that all of these things are the things in which people are finding their identity, um, we realized that outside of Christ, that's your only option. Outside of Christ, that's all that you have to base your identity on. You can only put your identity on created things that will fail you, that are temporary, that will not last. Think about it. The career will end. The child will grow up and move away. The spouse will die. The pets won't last. The sports team will lose. The nice body will get old and wear out. The clothes will fray and rip. The fancy toys will break and be lost. The house will crumble. The market will crash. None of it will last. So where's our hope then? Where's the solid ground on which to place our identity? Look at the first part of verse 4. He says that he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Paul is saying that if you were in Christ, there is something true about you that is older and deeper and more lasting than any created thing. Something that is true about you that is older than the foundation of the world. That before God made anything, he chose you in Christ. And here's what that means. Your identity in Christ is more solid and fixed and certain than any other thing on which you could build your identity. There is nothing more solid, nothing more fixed, nothing more certain. It is as certain and fixed as the God who declared it and spoke it over you. It is as certain and fixed as Christ who accomplished it for you and the Spirit who applies it to you. It is more eternal than the ground that we walk on. 
Our identity in Christ is solid. And it's based not on what you do, not on your performance. Paul doesn't even get to a command to something that we're supposed to do until chapter 4 of Ephesians. It's not based on you. It's not based on your performance. It's based on what God has done. It's based on the love of the Father that he chose to set on you, chose to lavish on you. It's based on the work of the Son that he accomplished without your help, on your behalf, for your sake. It's based on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's been poured into our hearts by the love of the Father. He's done it. Your identity is not on what you have done, who you love, what you look like, what you've accomplished. It can be based on the solid, firm foundation of who God is. Amen? Amen. That is solid ground on which to build a life. And even, Paul doesn't even stop there. He keeps, he keeps going. Um, Paul says that the Father chose us to be holy and blameless. Those two words mean um, unique and set apart or different. And then without fault, free from the marring effects of sin, holy and blameless. Isn't that what we're all longing for? Isn't that what we're hoping to be true about us? In Christ, it is. It is the gracious gift of God. So church, please hear me. Whatever you are going through, whatever in your life is causing you to feel uncertain and shaky, uh, whatever might be causing you to question or to doubt your identity or to, to question God's blessing and the good word that he's spoken over your life, if your identity and your hope is in any created thing, that thing's going to fail. It's not going to last. That thing happening or you getting that thing or you fulfilling that desire, that's not a sign of God's blessing. That's not proof of his goodness. The proof of God's blessing is that he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. The proof of God's blessing is that Jesus died and rose for you. Proof of God's blessing is that He sent His Spirit into our hearts so that He might be with us and we with Him forever. That is the truly blessed life. That's a solid place to build your identity. And so, if you are here today and you're in Christ, united to Him by faith, then let me just encourage you to stop believing the lies of the world. Stop believing the lies of the world. Stop building your identity on temporary things that are just going to pass away and fade and aren't eternal. They can't carry you through the hard times. They can't be everything that you want them to be. But the Father can. The Father can. He can carry you. He set his love on you. He's united you to Jesus Christ. I've been, uh, I've been reading a book recently. Well, I've, I've finished it. It's called Communion with the Triune God. Uh, it's by a Puritan from the 1600s named John Owen. Um, and in that book, he says that flesh and blood, humans, are apt to have hard thoughts of the Father. That we're prone to think that the Father doesn't love us. 
and that he's frustrated with us and that he's annoyed with us. I think some of us even think that God the Father was like really angry and then God the Son was like, oh no, stop, don't hurt him. And then it was like this, you know, divine battle for people. But this presents something so much different. Yes, God has wrath, just good wrath at at our sin, but God the Father planned our salvation. He lavished his love on us. God the Son, God the Spirit, they work together. Three persons, one God. Our God has set his love on us. And so when you think about God as Father, um, maybe part of the reason we think hard thoughts of him is, is that we've had imperfect fathers. Some of us better than others, some of us a lot worse. And so if you've been hurt or wounded or broken by your father, know that when we say God is father, we aren't saying that he's like your father. But in calling earthly people fathers, we're saying they should be like the heavenly father, the source of life, the giver of all good gifts, the one who has set his love on us and lavished it on us. That's our father. That's the one Jesus brings us to. And if you're here today and you're not in Christ, you're still trying to figure it out or maybe, I don't know, maybe building your identity on on things that just aren't going to last, that aren't firm, that are uncertain and shaky, that I would encourage you, look no further than Jesus Christ. Look no further than the man who bled and died for you, who's proved his love for you who even now lives and reigns at the right hand of the Father, who's constantly working and pouring out his spirit so that we can know him and love him and have solid ground on which to build our identity. He is enough and more than enough. He is so, so good. Look no further than him. Your identity cannot be founded or found by looking within yourself. And it can't be found by looking outward to other created things. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I'm in awe of the way that you have poured out blessing upon blessing and grace upon grace. How great is the goodness that you have lavished upon us that we should be called your children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for all of the work that you have done to bring us home to the Father. Oh, Lord, we are unworthy. We are unworthy, and yet you come to us in our brokenness. You lift our head. You pull us up out of the mire, and you say, you're mine. You're my bride. You're a saint. I am going to make you holy and blameless. I've committed myself to it. It will be done. Thank you, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone here who who isn't in you, if there's anyone watching online who isn't in you, who doesn't have that intimate, connected relationship with you, Lord, would you reveal yourself to them today? Would you meet them wherever they are and pick them up and call them your own? Lord Jesus, we praise you. And we want to continue in worshiping you now as we pray and just listen for what you're doing in our hearts. 
as we meditate on your word, as we come to the communion table to be reminded of the great love and sacrifice with which you've loved us. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you continue to call us up into your presence? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we want more of you. Thanks for setting your love on us and giving us every spiritual blessing. All praise to you. Amen.